Hey guys, Gordon here. I just want to take a second and thank you for downloading our episode, listening to our episodes, sharing our episodes, tagging us on social media and helping us grow our mission. It means everything to me. And from here uh, to continue growing where we're at, please consider throwing us a small donation just to help grow the mission, support the team, support the infrastructure and continue to build the Permafit name. Thank you all so much. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. What is up, guys, and welcome to the Strength of Body and Mind podcast. My name is Gordon. I'm going to be your host, and this is episode 81. Um, a few weeks ago, well, actually, <laughs> quite frequently, I talk about creating the proximity, in other words, putting the right people around you that are going to elevate you, that are going to lift you up, that are going to motivate you, going to inspire you, going to push you farther, just, <laughs> just there they're them being in your network just them and their presence is enough to push you further is enough to to grow you to stretch you to bring you out of your comfort zone uh and i believe in that 100 i believe that that is something that if every person actually spent time doing and put energy into that they would have a much higher chance of actually achieving all the things in their life that they want to achieve. Okay. Not least of which is their health and fitness goals and objectives and all the ambitions that they have in that space. So one of these people that I was fortunate enough to have met in a mastermind that I am part of a paid mastermind that I'm part of is a woman named Cynthia Thurlow. And this podcast episode that you are listening to right now is a conversation that I had with Cynthia uh, a while ago. And in that conversation, we talked a lot about various things. Now, Cynthia has an interesting background. She's not a trainer or a coach like me. Uh, Cynthia is a Western medicine trained nurse practitioner, and she's got an extensive amount of experience over 20 years, actually in that field and more specifically in ER medicine and cardiology. So she's got quite a career behind her already. And along the, that career path, she actually changed paths a little bit. She pivoted and has turned into a, to a more functional nutritionist focused career path. So she's no longer a nurse practitioner. She's totally focused on functional nutrition. Okay. And her specific niche is in female hormonal health. Okay. So someone like Cynthia, who has a very specific niche of female hormonal health, in addition to her 20 years of ER medicine and cardiology experience as a nurse practitioner, right? That is a whole space and a whole level of education and experience that I will never learn on the job. If, if you will, right. I'll never actually be exposed to some of the things that Cynthia was exposed to. And so in order for me to learn some of those things, in order for me to stretch myself and educate myself, it's a perfect complement to my proximity to my network to have someone like Cynthia in that. Okay. So it, it's, it's such an amazing opportunity that I've been given to have met someone like Cynthia. So she's an amazing person and extremely smart. She's brilliant. She knows a lot about what she's talking about. And when it comes to 
a lot of those things that I talked about that she's got all that experience with female hormonal health, um, ER medicine, <laughs> cardiology, and just general health and wellness, even nutrition, uh, and, and a lot of stuff that you'll hear us talk about in this conversation. When it comes to all that stuff, she is so confident in the way she speaks because she knows all the content so well. And so, you know, a couple things to take away from this. One, if you aren't already trying to essentially handpick as, as best you can the people that you spend the most time with and the people that you associate with and the people that you have in your circle on a daily basis or near daily basis, then you need to do that. Okay, so whatever it is that you're trying to do, whatever it is that you're trying to learn. So if you are trying to experience a fitness transformation of some sort, the one of the best things that you can do, one of the smartest things that you can do is take people who have either achieved a fitness transformation or a health transformation or people who have helped others achieve a fitness transformation like other coaches or trainers who have literally held the hands of people all the way through their transformations. If you take people like that and you put them in your circle, in other words, you you have them on a routine like text conversation schedule, you know, quote unquote schedule, or you you engage with them in person frequently, or you are in the same mastermind as them or the same whatever, right? The same social circle of some sort with those people, guess what? You will start to draw from them. You'll start to draw education, lessons learned, wisdom, experience, and you will start to notice that you're leveling up, okay? You're leveling up. So keeping people like Cynthia in my circle, not only is she a great person and I would I would want to be friends with her anyway just because of that, uh, but she has the she has the influence on me that has caused me to level up in various different ways. Um, so currently, Cynthia is living in Washington, D.C. with her children and her family <laughs> and her doodles. And one of the things that she talks about frequently and that she stands for openly and outwardly is that she believes that the inherent power of food and nutrition can be your greatest asset to your health and wellness journey, whatever that is. Okay, so think about that for a second. Your inherent the inherent power of food and nutrition. So big emphasis on food and nutrition, which is one of the things we talk about all the time on this podcast is food and nutrition and just how important that is. And this is a, a, a reiteration of that or a, or a reemphasis of that. So anyways, I'll, I'll switch it over here now to the, the conversation I've had with Cynthia. Um, but listen closely, pay attention. There's a lot of really, really great content here. And we dive deep into some really cool stuff about sleep and hormones and how how sleep can be tied to uh, bad eating habits and poor eating habits and cravings and things like that. And how, how poor sleep can be a catalyst for people putting on excessive weight and putting on more specifically excessive body fat and how it's all tied. A lot of it's always tied back to hormones and uh, different the way glands are operating in the body and how a lot of that is tied to sleep. And there's just, there's so much stuff here. There's so many good things here. And Cynthia is clearly the expert and I'm, I'm clearly the student here. So I'm learning just as much as you are going to be. So it's, it's amazing. So anyway, um, at this point, I'm going to switch over. So enjoy this conversation with Cynthia Thurlow. All 
right, guys, welcome back. I am here with, honestly, one of my favorite human beings in the health and wellness space that I have met recently. When I say recently, I mean like within the past year or so. And that person is Cynthia Thurlow. Cynthia, good morning, and how the hell are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for that lovely introduction. And, it, <laughs> and that, that goes likewise, absolutely likewise. Well, you know, I, um, I'm sure you've heard this too. I know everyone that's in this space probably heard this, but you know, proximity is power. I truly believe in that. And so that when I, when I find someone and I find them in my proximity, whether it was intentional or not, I, I latch onto that and I try to make that relationship uh, be as beneficial both ways as possible. And uh, I'm not trying to fluff your ego, I promise, but this is, <laughs> this is one of those relationships for sure. Oh, so thank you. Yeah. Um, so anyways, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, you guys heard in the intro, Cynthia has a, a long resume. She's accomplished a ton recently on the TEDx stage in, I believe, Toronto. Is that right? That is correct. That is cool. correct. Yeah. So she's got a wealth of knowledge. And before I even get into all that stuff, though, the thing I want to know most is um, what what are you excited about right now? So we're recording this in December. It can be health and wellness or fitness related or not. But what are you just legitimately and genuinely excited about today? Right now, this week, if you were to ask me, I would say um, the, the, the time leading up to prepping for TEDx was so intense and I feel like I didn't get enough time with my boys and my husband. So the things I'm most looking forward to is unplugging. So I'm doing everything I can in my power to um, make that happen before the 21st. So I, I gave my kids, I was like, okay, here's the, the timeline. This is what has to happen next week but really just spending time with my family and slower pace, staying in our PJs, um, <laughs> doing silly stuff like catching up on movies, um, cooking, and just not being in the rush. I think one of the things that I, I really struggle with, not only being an entrepreneur, but as my boys are getting older, they're 11 and 13, is that we have a finite amount of time with them. Yeah. You know, in, in five years, my oldest is going to be off to college, which almost chokes me up just thinking about it. <laughs> um, and then two years later, his brother will follow behind him. And so recognizing that, um, you know, that'll be a very exciting time for them. But also, you know, my a lot of my, um, you know, my mindset, my um, perspectives about myself have really been so enraptured in being a mom that I want to savor every last second I have with them because it's so finite. You know, once they leave the nest, once they go off to college, our relationships will change in, in wonderful ways and, and probably ways that will, you know, be challenging for me to accept. But um, those those are the things I'm thinking about right now. It was funny when I got off the stage, honest to God, as soon as I got off the stage, a woman walked up to me and said, what's next? <laughs> and my mother, who was standing next to me, was like, she's going to write a book. And I just looked at her like, Really? <laughs> Uh, because I, I wasn't even sure that was something I was interested in doing, but I also thought, gosh, I just want to take a pause. I just want to take a pause. That's, that's what intrinsically feels right to me right now is just take a pause, take a, you know, I think it's, it's in our nature as human beings. We want to like think of something bigger and better and more exciting. And right now my, my brain is telling me to just savor right now, just enjoy right now. <laughs> So that was a yeah, long-winded explanation, but no, that's great. That's awesome. That's what I want to hear. And and like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a dad, and mm -hmm. I am an entrepreneur, and I have a business owner, and you know, mm -hmm. it, there's there's so many ways to to 
spend your, you can spend your time every single day when you're in that space. Mm-hmm. You can get sucked in anything. So yeah. I totally resonate with you. Like I, I look forward to putting my phone down mm-hmm. for an extended period of time with my son and yeah. spend time with the son and my wife. That's so important. And I think, you know, for us, this is our first, gosh, this is not a little ping at my mother heart. Um, this is the first year that if there are any little ones around, you might want to cover their ears. First year that my youngest doesn't believe in Santa. So, you know, we didn't put the elf on the shelf out. We aren't talking about pictures with Santa. Um, and that's a big adjustment because for the last 13 years, that's been a huge focus of our energies is, you know, making Christmas like this exciting um, and it's still exciting, but it's just, it's different. It's a different dynamic. So the dynamics have shifted again, much like when you go from not having children to having a child and you're at the dynamic shift, it's like tectonic plates. They're shifting again and, and recognizing that Christmas morning is going to be a little different, <laughs> uh, for us. So definitely savor with your little guy, uh, because I, I think, you know, that whole expectation about Santa and the magic around Christmas and it's still there, but it's a little different. So savor every bit of it. Cause it goes by so fast. Oh, that makes me emotional. Just thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just, I, I thought of that the other night. I was like, wow, what a big difference for us. <laughs> so. Wow. Well, anyways, um, that is amazing. And I'm, I'm actually happy for you that you're going to be able to unplug here soon mm-hmm. and take some time. Um, so one of the things I did want to ask you about right off the bat, was and this is something that comes up in conversations between me and current clients, me and prospective clients, and just really any conversation that I have with someone who is either about to or on the bubble or on the cusp of trying to get themselves into a fitness lifestyle or a health and wellness focused lifestyle is sleep. Mm-hmm. Right, sleep. Now, so I want to, I really kind of want to tackle this from two angles because my bread and butter. The thing that I do the best, the thing that I excel at the most is getting people to understand the importance of putting some amount of muscle mass on their body for a Mm -hmm. whole bunch of different reasons and then showing them and teaching them how to do that. Mm -hmm. So, and I know sleep is incredibly important for muscle development, but from the, on the other side, just from a general health and wellness and energy like perspective, I know sleep is, is important for those things as well. So I want your opinion on both of those. And I want to start with just the general health and wellness day in and day out. Why is sleep so important? Mm-hmm. And, you know, be as specific as you'd like. Uh, why is sleep so important and how much should the average person be looking for and why? I mean, it's, it's great that you place an emphasis and focus on that because sleep is foundational to our health. I I was telling a a client the other day, you know, you don't get a badge of honor for not sleeping enough. Like no one's going, you're not going to, you're not going to win anything. So don't even, don't even aspire to um, get by on not enough sleep. So we recognize that sleep does many, many beneficial things. And, And first and foremost, our brains are more active at night than they are during the day. Even as a nurse practitioner, I hadn't really pondered that idea, uh, until I read it. And, you know, I think it's something that when I'm, working foundationally with my own um, clients and I'm talking to them about the fact that sleep, you know, we secrete lots of growth hormone at night. So growth hormone is a potent anti-aging hormone, but it's also a hormone that's going to help you grow muscles. We know that sleep is foundational to maintaining our blood sugar. Uh, If you're not getting adequate sleep, you have a 40% net reduction in your blood sugar control. So if someone isn't sleeping well and they're struggling with obesity and weight gain, 
uh, or hormonal issues, you got to dial in on sleep. If you can't, if you cannot get someone sleeping well, they're never going to lose weight. It is completely impossible. The other piece is not only does it impact your blood sugar, but it also impacts leptin, which is one of these key hormones that regulates your appetite. So we talk about leptin resistance, insulin resistance, they kind of all go together. Um, we recognize that sleep is important for the choices that we make. If we're not if we're not getting enough sleep, we are going to crave the wrong kinds of foods. You're not going to be craving sweet potatoes when you're not getting enough sleep. You're going to crave <laughs> junk, really, right? Um, so it, it's things, you know, ap- impacts appetite, blood sugar, um, growth hormone secretion. Uh, it impacts our ability to, you know, digest our food properly. We actually need time where we are rested when our body is digesting our food. And, and I think many of us, you know, don't understand how digestion works, but when you eat food, it takes about 18 to 24 hours for it to be properly digested, but our body needs rest. Our, our whole, you know, digestive system needs rest in order to um, properly process the foods or food-like substances we have consumed. Um, and it also impacts mood. If you're not getting enough sleep, I mean, there are higher rates of depression and anxiety in, in people that are either shift workers or people that don't sleep properly. Uh, and again, it goes into that hormones, you know, talking about melatonin and serotonin, they're intricately involved in our sleep-wake cycle along with cortisol, which is secreted by the adrenal glands. So I look at it as sleep is foundational, much like hydration. So you can't do without either of those things and, and maintain a healthy, happy body. But you know, I think sometimes when we break things down in such a way that it's it's easier for people to understand if they're getting by on three or four hours of sleep and wondering why they've gained weight, um, why they, they feel like they look older, men and women, why all of a sudden they're, you know, struggling with craving, you know, junky foods. And like I said, we oftentimes don't crave sweet potatoes. We're going to crave cookies and cake mm-hmm. and soda and, and candy bars and things like that because our body's looking for a quick source of fuel. So that's, I mean, that's where I would start the conversation about sleep. Um, do most of your, are most of your clients struggling with falling asleep, staying asleep? I mean, I can speak to both of those things too. I, it's all about troubleshooting. Um, well, before I get into that, I, I want to, before I forget, I want to circle back to one thing you pointed out, mm-hmm. which I know a lot of people listening do not understand. Mm-hmm. And that is that the lack of sleep, having a lack of sleep, trying to survive on three or four or even five mm-hmm. hours is going to lead to bad dietary decisions. Yeah. So can you, b- before we talk about, you know, like the things that my clients are struggling with, can you, mm-hmm. can you just touch on that a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, if someone is either not getting a sufficient night's sleep consistently, like you're getting by in five hours of sleep, six days a week, or you have trouble falling asleep or trouble staying asleep, you know, over time it erodes your ability to, um, you know, we have pleasure centers in our brains. You know, we think about it that, you know, we when, when you look at our brain, we have pleasure centers that need to be, you know, facilitated. And if we're not getting enough sleep, it's harder for our body, for our brains to kind of override that desire to give in to temptations. So one of the things when I am, you know, talking to either males or females or even kids, talking about the fact that if you're struggling to make good food choices, you have to kind of re-engineer what's going on. Because if you're if your body is pleasure centers are kind of very focused on you know, they're, they're just focused on one thing, you know, whether it's a piece of candy or, you know, it's having that bag of chips or it's having, you know, a, a big gulp or whatever, whatever it is that, you know, you're tempted by, 
you have to really ratchet back on um, thinking about how your self-care decisions impact your ability to take care of yourself as a whole, to make those good food choices, to um, plan out your meals, to ensure that you are giving your body the best kind of fuel it needs. It's kind of like when you go to the gas station and your options are, you know, super or the cheapest option that's out there, you know, just making conscientious decisions um, all day long that are to your benefit or to your detriment. So. No, no, that's incredible. And I, I just, I know (laughs) from having conversations without even asking that question, that that connection is is something that most people don't make Mm -hmm. probably because they've never been told that. And then, it's it's like they don't associate and why would they associate their cravings with the amount of sleep they're getting at night you know i can see that people who have no uh no interest in learning about and certainly have never taken the time to learn about health and wellness and how the body works uh just not associating those two things together decoupling them completely so and i'm glad you i'm glad you brought that up it's, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, it's something it's something that's kind of silly. You know, I, I think, um, you know, Western medicine doesn't place a lot of emphasis on sleep unless someone's snoring or they're having apneic episodes where they stop breathing. Otherwise, we don't really talk to our patients about sleep. And yet uh, I, I think it is completely foundational to our well-being and our health. And it's it, it, I always say if you can't get your sleep under control, you can't get the rest of it under control. It's just impossible. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And to answer your question, so my clients, there's a myriad of things that are going on, but most of the time they're not getting enough sleep. Mm-hmm. They think they are. They think they're five, six hours. But most of them have families and jobs and mm-hmm. they have a very busy lifestyle. And so they will spend their evenings after their kids are asleep doing whatever, consuming something like media that mm-hmm. entertains them in some mm-hmm. way. And then go to sleep at 10 or 11 and mm-hmm. be up at 4.30 or 5. And that's fine from time to time. But on a consistent six, seven day per week basis, you know, we see problems. We see things happen. And, and I always have to ratchet it back. Like, well, you know, how much sleep are you getting? How much water are you drinking? Very basic things. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and I think it's something that people struggle with. I mean, I talked very openly in my TEDx talk about how I derailed my health because I was the up at 4.30 a.m. in the gym doing very intense conditioning classes, going to the hospital, running on my patients, coming home and seeing my kids, putting them to bed, and then not going, getting enough sleep. And I did that for years and years and years and years and years because I just, I tend to be a very kind of intense person. Like everything I do, I do well. I mean, that part of that, like I always say, I was raised Roman Catholic. My mom's Italian. The expectation <laughs> of bar was set high. Everything I do perfectly. I mean, that that used to be my mentality. I've since learned that's not healthy for me. But I used to be that person that got by on six hours of sleep and had an intense job and did intense physical activity and had a very low carb diet. Um, and it derailed my health. And so I feel like one of the things I need to spread the word about is that you have to take care of you. So I used to be that person that when my kids went to bed and when they were younger, they went to bed at seven. Now they go to bed when I do. Um, now I have to just let go of stuff that I used to be on top of. I, I have to. Um, and again, you know, the Christmas gifts will still get purchased. The Christmas cards will still go out. They may not go out when I would ideally like them to, but it'll all happen. Everyone will get everything that they need. But the point being that I want to make you know, really clear to everyone is that you have to take care of you first. And we as parents 
sometimes even as women, we take, we take care of ourselves last. And the most lasting advice I can give anyone is take care of you first. Self-care is not selfish. It is well care. So so good. That's so good. (laughs) (laughs) No, that totally resonates. Uh, Anyone who's listening to this, who's been following me for a while would know that one of the things that I preach just over and over and over again is it selfishness is selflessness Mm -hmm. when it comes to fitness and health and wellness. And I have hours of videos that I've posted describing what that really means and why that exists and, um, then like some actual examples of how that's possible. Uh, but that's still, that is a very, I'm glad you brought that up too. Cause that's a very interesting thing that a lot of people can't get past. Yeah. I mean, I, so I was, I was raised by, um, a single mom and my mom just retired last year, but incredibly successful, very hardworking, um, my mother, when I left clinical practice two and a half years ago was stunned, absolutely stunned because the expectations were always, you just push, 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 push. You have an incredible work ethic. That's how I was raised. I've always been a hard worker. And I just said, I'm, I'm destroying, I'm killing myself. You know, I'm not going to be healthy. I'm not going to be vibrant. I'm not going to be the person or the parent or the spouse that I want to be if I don't invest in me. So my husband will laugh. If you were at my house, he'd be <laughs> laughing, telling you about this story. He's like, oftentimes when I'm not traveling, my wife will go to bed before my kids. And so, yes, mm-hmm. many nights I'm in bed at 830 or 9 o'clock because my body just needs sleep that much. Like I, my kids know, I mean, obviously when my husband's traveling, it's different. My, you know, everything has to be adjusted, but um, sleep is a huge priority, like huge, huge, huge priority, totally foundational for anyone who's listening, who is getting by the way that I did for many, many years. I encourage you to at least give yourself, even if it's an, if you go to bed an hour earlier, three or four nights a week and see how much better you feel in the morning, see how much better you stay on track with your fitness um, goals, with your, your, you know, your dietary needs, with um, how much, um, you know, I always say that, you know, that allowance you give yourself, you know, when you're ready to scream, but you don't want to scream at your kids, or your spouse, where you just kind of <laughs> count in your head. Okay. I'm just going to like, think through this, think happy thoughts there's so many beneficial things that come out of taking care of you, um, you know, as opposed to taking care of everyone else. And then, you know, you have scraps left for yourself. It's like, you're literally, you have scraps in your hands. Like that's all the self-care time. And all you can manage is just to put yourself to bed or all you can manage is to grab McDonald's on the way home from work. You got to do better for yourself ultimately. So yeah doesn't do anybody any favors to wear mm-hmm. yourself that thin. Nope. And here's here's the other thing too that I've noticed is even people without kids or or their kids are older or they have a a very big social circle or something what I've found is that people can't get over this concept that if I take away from my social gatherings or if yeah. I take away from going out with my drinking buddies or doing this with my coworkers happy hour or whatever then I'm being selfish mm-hmm. because I'm prioritizing myself to go to the gym to better myself instead of being a showing up powerfully and presently as a good friend or a good mm-hmm. coworker or a supportive, you know, whatever in this circle of people. I see that a lot. Um, and that's, yeah. that's both in parents and non-parents. And I, I, I really try very hard to make sure that people understand that that's just not the case. And while people might get offended at first, mm-hmm. like they'll see the importance of that over time. Um, have you ever experienced that? Have you ever dealt with anyone that's going through that? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've dealt with that personally as well as professionally. And I always I always say it's more indicative of that other person. You know, some people, you know, it's not that they don't love you or care about you, but you making and prioritizing your health may make them uncomfortable about their own choices. It may not even be about you. It may be about them. They may feel guilty about the fact that they don't make better food choices, that they don't exercise, Definitely. that they don't you know, prioritize their own health. And so I've come to find whether I, I I get comments personally or or a client will share that with me. I always say, I want you to stay true to what needs to happen for you. Um, I want you to stay focused on what your goals are. And every single time some, if you were to hear a comment like that, I want you to say, this is what needs to happen for me. You're not apologizing. You're not not acknowledging what they've said but you're not allowing it to derail what needs to happen for you because, you know, ultimately, you know, as you know, whether you're, you have children at home or you don't um, irrespective of what age range you're in, although it gets harder as you get older, I'll be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I, I think that you know, ultimately we have to make choices that are, are beneficial to us. And I'm not talking about, you know, having a, a three month old at home and neglecting your child to go work out for three hours. That's not what I'm <laughs> saying. What I'm saying is, is that if your child or children are being well taken care of and no one's being neglected, go take care of yourself. I mean, I don't think I appreciated that enough until my kids got a little older. And then I got very, I don't want to use the term selfish. I got very protective of my time going to the gym. My husband knows, my kids know. I will get up very, very early (laughs) so that I can fit those things in because I'm a better mom when I've been able to work that out, you know? Yeah. Um, They always say, we can tell (laughs) when you're cranky, you know, did you go to the gym today? Yeah, well, I can tell. Go take a walk. I, I can remember growing up. My, I never had this conversation with him, but my dad, um, he used to. He was never into weightlifting or going to the gym, but he would run. He was a runner. He's always been a runner. Okay. He still is. He's in his sixties and he runs every day. Uh, yeah, it is actually because I hate running. But he, <laughs> it was inspiring though, and it always resonated with me because he would come home from work after eight or nine hours. He would do the, you know, we'd sit down, we have dinner, or whatever, and then he would leave. He'd be like, you know what? I'm going running. And he would go to the same track mm-hmm. and he'd be like, you're more than welcome to come, but don't bother me. <laughs> he would <always laughs> run. And he was very protective of that time. And that I, when I look back now, I'm like, you know what? The apple doesn't far, fall too far because yeah. that, that was a grounding mechanism for him. Yeah. That was an anchoring thing for him. And mine is just a different form of the same thing. Yeah. Well, and I think for me, what my mother would say, my mom's now retired. So she's in her seventies and she made the comment to me, my generation. And so my mom was part of that feminist movement. You know, my mom climbed her ranks up to being a CIO of a very large medical system. And she's falls to the wall. She's tough. I mean, she's wonderful, but she's tough. <laughs> uh, but, you know, she said, we didn't have all those options. Like your generation has a lot of those options that we didn't even think about um, in terms of like taking care of ourselves. We were just boldly like just focused on where we wanted to be. And I said, I'm not, I, I still think about that my too, myself too, but the reason why I can exist in the space that I do is because I make investments in my health. And so, you know, I, I do Reiki and I do acupuncture and um, you know, I lift weights and I do intermittent fasting and I really like to eat healthy food and I feel good. And so that's, that's the place I come from is that, you know, when you make these investments in supporting your brain, supporting your body, 
you know, being, you know, you want to, you know, be intense when you need to be intense, but you also want to be relaxed and present. And the only way to really do that is you got to walk the walk and talk mm-hmm. the talk. You know, you yeah. can't, I can't be telling you one thing, Gordon, and then going out and, you know, um, you know, going, well, I, I had a couple of clients do this around Thanksgiving, but going off the rails for months <laughs> on end, because then I, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be in a healthy mind or body to be able to dispense health advice or, or yeah. wellness advice for that matter. No. And, and I think, honestly, I think most people would sniff that out pretty quick anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you obviously have to show up visually that indicates that you are living the lifestyle you talk about. Yes. So, you know, you're a walking billboard, of course, but like also you, it would just be, it's more native for you and for anybody. It's more intuitively e- like easy to talk about the thing that you do day in and day out, especially if you're teaching it and yes. coaching. It. Yes. So that's obvious. And, and I, I totally get that. And I, and I love that. And, um, this is actually a perfect point, a perfect time to transition. Cause I, I have, a I have something that I've been dying to ask you about. Get your opinion <laughs> on. So I, love when people learn nutrition through the format of understanding what X amount of food looks like and Mm -hmm. X amount of this and this many ounces of this looks like for a period of time, basically Mm -hmm. tracking and weighing and measuring for a while Mm -hmm. until they really understand what a portion of food looks like before they try taking on fully an intuitive eating approach. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I have only in like a few small circumstances been able to see people utilize intuitive eating successfully without first understanding what like four ounces of chicken looks like or Mm -hmm. hundred grams of sweet potato looks like first for a while, actually measuring it and seeing it and understanding the data and then going into intuitive eating or understanding what their body feels like, like when they eat this much of this, this much of that this much of this for several weeks at a time. And then they can get into this intuitive state or this intuitive relationship where they can eat and feel, eat and feel, eat and feel. Um, how do you feel about all that? Like, I know not everyone's into tracking macros. I get that. Mm-hmm. But do you think everyone's capable? I guess this is my question. Do you think everyone's capable of jumping right into intuitive eating, especially no. if they're in a situation where they're overweight or no. You know? Okay. No, because, Why? Well, I think there's a couple things. I mean, you know, my sciencey brain will say, well, if someone is, if we know someone's leptin and insulin resistant, meaning they have issues with their blood sugar and they've got issues with communication between their brain and their stomach to tell them that they're full, um, they would not be able to jump into intuitive eating. That would be my first thought. Um, I, I think we as a society have really done a disservice that we have gotten so far removed from creating our own food making our own meals. Um, Processed food industry has um, proliferated with propaganda about the fact that we have to buy it. We have to have everything. Everything has to be created for us in a factory. Mm, So we no longer feel confident going to the grocery store and picking out ingredients. That's that's another issue. That's a whole other issue. People don't feel empowered to know how to feed their bodies. I think it would be a very unusual person that could go from not having a sense of what portion sizes should look like to go to intuitive eating. I think um, I also on the flip side have many, many clients over the last few years who have gotten so restrictive about their eating that they live and die by that measurement. Yep. And so I think it, there's that other shape of the coin that 
some people need it so that they can visually get a better sense of what a proper plate size should look like when they're putting their macros together. On the other side, I have people who can't even relax enough to enjoy any food because <laughs> they're so fixated on portion sizes. Um, and so they'll never get to a point of mindful eating because there's fear, you know, fear about food uh, can be very, very destructive. So I think when you're when you're coming from a point, if you've been dealing with obesity for a while or, or being overweight, I think um, visually having the reminders of what portion sizes look like can be very helpful as they kind of master that they can move on to mindful eating. I like the concept of mindful eating because I personally don't like to measure anything. Sure. I, I, I'm a very visually oriented person. So I generally know exactly because I'm, you know, I'm 120 pounds. So for me, I know how many, how many, how much protein and vegetables I can get away with a pretty good amount. I have to be more careful about my fat portion sizes because my body, I have a harder time breaking fat down, which is a whole separate conversation. So for me, I, I that's the only thing that I might be more mindful about, even more mindful about. But otherwise, I like to just throw my meals together and then I kind of say, okay, this is the size plate I'm going to use because this is how hungry I am. And then I kind of go from there. But I, I do agree with you that most people can't go from, you know, directly from I need to lose weight and get healthier and go to mindful eating. There usually has to be an intermediary period. And this is where I, this is what I love about Gordon. I'm married to an engineer, so I understand. <laughs> and after being married to my engineer husband for 15 years with him for 17, I understand where this is going. Um, <laughs> engineers are very methodical and that's really to your, your client's advantage because you're going to think about what's the next step. What's the next step? What's the next step? Uh, which is really, it's very, very helpful to be thinking, um, you know, that conscientiously. Yeah, I'm not sure any, everyone knows that I have two degrees and 10 years in the field <laughs> experience in engineering, but that's I okay. Sorry. That's all right. I'm not, I'm not hiding it from anybody, but um, out of the water. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely very analytical. And mm -hmm. um, so, so regarding you know what you said about people who are, they, they get into this, <laughs> this obsessive relationship mm -hmm. with their food scale yep. and their measuring cups. Yep. I get that. I lived that for a little while and I, I don't regret it. Uh, because I got such amazing results, but then breaking out of that, because I did that, this was for a couple of years when I broke out of that and I realized that I knew the whole time, and by the way, I was coming from a place of serious obesity. So when I finally got results and I realized that the scale and measuring cups were a huge catalyst for those results, I, um, I, of course I latched onto it. I thought that was like something that I needed in order to keep those results. But once I broke out of that, I realized that I could, and I, and I do, uh, from certain, from time to time, depending on what my goals are, cause I'm constantly changing them, but what I can intuitively eat now, but I think it's, it's because I know what six ounces of this looks like mm -hmm. and half a cup that looks like. I just, I can look at a plate and I know like I, within, mm -hmm. within like five, 10% accuracy, just like you can, because you've done yeah. it. Right. Well, and the other thing is I had a trainer probably five years ago, so I went gluten free no, I went gluten-free seven years ago. And I remember I had a trainer at the time who wanted me just for a period of time to measure my food. You know, seven asparagus beers, seven of this. I got so lean that, you know, she and I finally got to a point where I just said, this isn't healthy for me because I'm, I feel like I'm being too restrictive with how I'm eating. And I don't, I don't, that's not a place of comfort for me at all, like has never been. Um, and so I feel very comfortable now saying I can, I generally, like you said, five to 10% accuracy. And then you, know, you have those days where, you know, I, I went on a plantain binge like last week and had far mm -hmm. too many plantains, but recognizing that, you know, I'm like, okay, this day I have my carb, my carb content or my carbs were a little higher than they are normally. 
I know what I need to do the following day. So it's always, everything's always a new day. If you, you know, if you go off of, you know, where you normally are, there's, you can always come back to a, a place of normalcy and say, okay, today's a new day. And today I'm going to do things, structure things a little bit differently. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, I honestly, I did not know that we were going to resonate so well, um, on the, that perspective between intuitive eating and macro counting. Um, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that we do because mm-hmm. I just, I, I, I can't, I can't comfortably and I won't comfortably just send someone who is struggling with food addiction and obesity and bad, like a bad series of years of habits, um, into intuitive eating and mindful eating. I just, I'm not comfortable with that, but that actually brings me to another point when it, and I I know we're kind of up against it here, but when it comes to food addiction, the way I've always viewed food addiction and the way that I, the conversations I've had around people who have openly admitted to having a food addiction is that food, unlike alcohol and drugs and other things that people can become addicted to, you need food. Mm-hmm. And so when you ha- when you get to, the, to this place where you've had a, a, a really bad lifestyle for an extended period of time and your habits are really poor and you're eating a lot of junk food, whatever, you're overweight significantly – to to go to someone who's got that lifestyle and tell them that yes you need to still eat so you need to still ingest your your thing that you're addicted to that substance but you can only have a certain amount of it mm-hmm. like i've found that that is the reason why people have well one of the reasons one of the main reasons why people have such a difficult time breaking food addiction i mean real food addiction people that just can't stop eating like they can't stop eating crap right Um, right right well i mean there's so many things that go into that i mean first of all we know that 75 to 80 percent of our neurotransmitters you know our feel-good neurotransmitters and the ones that you know bring us down if we're anxious um are derived in our gut so if you've got an unhealthy gut and if you've got an issue with overeating um whether you it's anorexia bulimia you know binge eating etc we know that your gut micro, microbiome is completely off, uh, largely in, in impacted by the fact that, you know, our neurotransmitters. So people sometimes will eat to deal with stress, anxiety, depression, and largely it's an impact. It's, a, it's, it's impacted by the foods that we're eating and stress. You know, those two things, stress and the foods that we eat can impact the gut microbiome in a very negative way. So there's so many things that go into that. And then also that disconnect between the brain and the stomach if you've got real leptin resistance along with insulin resistance, you could you could sit conceivably and just eat for hours and hours and hours and your brain doesn't realize you're full. It really doesn't realize that you're full. So there are physiologic reasons that happen. So I always go back to, you know, if you've got an unhealthy gut microbiome, you're going to crave exactly the food sources those bugs want to be eating. And I know that freaks everybody out. We have beneficial <laughs> bacteria we have non-beneficial bacteria and and occasionally candida, which is fungus. And sometimes we've picked up parasites and all sorts of other things that we don't choose to think about on a normal basis. But <laughs> we can make it a completely hospitable environment for those things that don't belong. And that will impact our mood. That will impact our sleep. That will impact our food choices. So it becomes a very circuitous kind of pattern that I will see that, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I'm not sure. Um, the other piece is if we, the mindset is either food is fuel or food is comfort. And there's a, there's a huge distinction between both of those. If you think of food as fuel, 
you will very likely think about it obviously very differently. Um, and, and, you know, there's those maladaptive um, things that will creep up when you're using it for comfort. I mean, think about it. What do I love to eat when I'm sad? Chocolate. <laughs> what does mm-hmm. chocolate do? Um, chocolate, you know, impacts serotonin in the gut. What does it make you feel? It makes you feel happy, you know, temporarily. Um, obviously, it doesn't last forever. But, you know, our body has a very kind of innate way of craving things that will impact our mood. Sometimes, you know, it might be transiently po- in a positive way, but ultimately not in a positive way. Oh, that's really interesting. I wasn't planning on going there, but sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, this is a Always good thing. the education piece. I'm like, well, let's talk about this. Sorry. Oh, this is a that's a topic that I've really wanted to talk about for a long time that I think we probably should do another time. But mm-hmm. uh, just real quick, can you can you touch a little bit more on stress as it relates to your gut health? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the more I learn about this, the more it, it makes sense. I mean, that's oftentimes, so we recognize the bulk of our immunity is in our gut. And so when people are not taking care of themselves, they impact, they they make it easier for their body to get sick. Um, there are certain key places in the body, you know, our skin is one, you know, our stomach acid is another that are designed to keep us well. You know, it, it, think about it, it's a barrier to, to uh, infections. You know, our skin is designed to be that way. The hydrochloric acid in our stomach is designed to kill things if we ingest them in our food. Or, you know, if your kid coughs and sneezes all over you, inhale something. You know, there are there are um, hairs in our in our nose that are designed to kind of trap things that come in there. So the point being that we recognize that immunity is impacted by stress and sleep. So we'll go back to sleep, stress and sleep. And so if you're not taking care of you, you are more likely to get sick. You might be the person that your kid goes off to public school or private school or whatever kind of school they go to. And every, you know, every week you've got a new cold because, you know, you're not, you're not getting enough sleep. You're not eating the right foods. You know, sugar is something that can really lower our immunity. So exactly the food choices that we're eating on a daily basis can also lower the immunity in our gut. So, you know, the, the foods that we eat have such a profound impact on our health beyond the, the you know, the, the still, and I use the things, the aesthetics things that a lot of us get fixated on. There is really, you know, health in the foods that we eat. You know, food is our medicine. So if you're eating a whole foods diet, a nutrient dense diet, you are less likely to get sick than someone that's eating things that come out of a bag, a can or, um, you know, or, or flavored fluorescent colors. So the the point being that you recognizing that if the bulk of our immune response is derived in our gut, if our gut isn't healthy, we're going to be more prone to getting sick, either autoimmune things like eczema, psoriasis, Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid issue, et cetera, rheumatoid arthritis. Our gut health is really, really important. So if you have any of those things, there's a myriad of autoimmune issues. You have to really be thinking what's going on with my gut health that's impacting my ability to fight off this infection. Oh, I love it. No, it's going to be eye-opening for a lot of people listening to this, I think, <laughs> with all those connections. And like these, these are basic things. Like these are not radical things that require major, major, major investments to correct or anything. These are in general some pretty pretty simple things. And they could change your life. Mm-hmm. Will change your life. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh well, listen Cynthia, I would love to talk to you for like four more hours. To be quite <laughs> honest with you, there's so many things I want to want to pick your brain about. Especially, like we didn't get into half the things that I was trying to and that I wanted to, but that's okay. It's just kind of the nature of the beast, the way it goes. 
Uh, but I do want to thank you so much for being on the show. And anyone who's listening, if you have any more questions about health and wellness, gut health, sleep, Cynthia is a wealth of knowledge again, and I'm opening up the floodgates right here for them to contact <laughs> you. So how can the listeners, if they choose to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Yeah. So you can go through my website, www.chgwellness.com. I have group programs. I have holistic blueprint that's launching again in January. That's a six week online um, hormonal health program designed for women. I am rampant on social media. I have lots of great content on my blog. Um, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, CHT wellness. And of course you're always more than welcome to send me an email. I'm happy to help out any way I can. Awesome. Well, I'll have all that stuff in the show notes. And I can't thank you enough, Cynthia. Again, I wasn't making this up. I would love to do this again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again one more time and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. All right. Okay, guys, just, just to reiterate something here, something huge, something powerful, all right, that I mentioned in the beginning is always put people who are going to empower you and lift you up and stretch you and, and take you out of your comfort zone and level you up. Put those people around you as much as possible, okay? And more specifically, the people that have done the thing that you want to do, who have achieved the fitness goal that you want to achieve, who have gotten the body that you would like to have or gotten the strength that you would like to have or have lost the amount of weight that you would like to lose, put those people around you as much as possible. Those are going to be the people that you draw from, okay? Their vibration and your vibration are gonna resonate. That's how you're going to actually stretch to the point where you can achieve the same thing, okay? So I can't stress that enough. Now, yes, Cynthia, who has tons and tons and tons of knowledge, is one of those people. She knows so much about a lot of this stuff. I mean, we barely scratched the surface here, and uh, she knows so much that it already levels me up in, in, a, in a bunch of different ways. So I already feel like I know so much more about this stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm still always considering myself a student of the game because just when I think I know something, I meet someone like Cynthia and realize <laughs> that I know very little in my 10 years of, of research and studying and testing and trying new things. So anyways, I hope you guys got a ton of value out of that. I, I know if you were listening that you actually did. And if you didn't catch it all, I totally recommend you go back and listen again because there's a lot of great stuff there. And if you guys did get value out of this, then please go over to iTunes, leave me a review and, um, and leave me a rating. That way I can reach more people and I can get into the ears of more people and they can hear more interviews like today's interview with Cynthia. So thank you guys so much for checking this out. Again, please leave a review. That helps me so much. And don't forget, as always, train with purpose. And I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Take care.